Good morning, Greater Alton. How you doing today? Alrighty. Happy to be here today. Glad to be here. Has anybody noticed there's some things happening around Greater Alton? Have you noticed that? You know, this VBS went on this week. Lots of activity. Uh, new faces in the crowd almost every Sunday. New faces coming back every Sunday. Good stuff going on. Uh, and also, uh, two things I want to mention. First one, as I want to remind everybody, I know there was a lot of buzz about it, but we want to keep it in front of everybody. We have a special contribution coming up on September 10th. And I've heard lots of ways that people are planning on on doing things, everything from the, I believe the middle schoolers are, are hosting a rummage sale. They're not calling it a rummage sale. They're calling, what are they calling it? Pop-up market. Okay, so if you have things you want to get rid of that may bring money, uh, bring them to the pop-up market or contact the middle schoolers and, and get that going. Uh, everything from that to people selling some all, a portion of the retirement funds to do this. And the reason we're doing the special contribution, guys, is to uh, do a number of things. Primarily, we have been constrained financially for nearly the past 20 years by the mortgage on this building. And we are in sight of paying it off, and we want to pay that off, and we want to take that $6,600 a month, and we want to minister to people. And we want to use it in a more, what we feel is a more effective way. And so we want to get that out of our way. And one of the primary ways we want to do that, or we're going to be doing, is adding staff. By faith, we added Sydney to our staff as a part-time uh, middle school youth minister. And uh, for the next three months, we've got James Fish. James, go ahead and stand up. He's a, he is our summer intern for the next three months to work with the high schoolers. Now for this weekend and maybe a few more weekends only, he also has his girlfriend Maria. Go ahead, stand up. You're the girlfriend. Come on. And uh, we invite you to meet her and James as well. Welcome them both. Uh, Maria, you're also a graduate from Sunset. Is that correct? That's what I thought. She also graduated from Sunset Bible Institute. International Bible Institute, and from what I've heard, has a real heart for missions, correct? And so I encourage you to meet her and uh, share your faith with her and let her hear her faith, hear of her faith as well. So anyway, uh, that's what's going on. Uh, we are talking, Tim has started this series called Foolproof, and we're looking at things in the book of Proverbs. The B book of Proverbs talks a lot. Uh, if you want to narrow the book of Proverbs down, it says, Here's how to be wise, and here's how to be a fool. This is what a fool looks like. And so we've been talking about how to not be a fool, essentially, by foolproof. How to be wise, and, and what are some different topics that Proverbs addresses. And so I was given the topic of judging, and how we, how we deal with that. This is the second week that I'm talking about this. Uh, as I said, uh, I spoke on this topic uh, back in April 21 for two weeks. And as of last week, nobody remembered anything I said then. So we'll just keep that. What that means is I can just repeat everything that I said then. And nobody will notice. Thank you, dear. Uh, also, uh, before I forget, with a lot of things going on, this Wednesday night. What time is it Wednesday night? The Gospel Chariot's here. Six o'clock. The Gospel Chariot is here. If you're unfamiliar with the Gospel Chariot, it is a, a, a missions-based organization, uh, I believe out of Arkansas. And what they have done 
is they outfit these trucks. They send them to Africa and they outfit these trucks with everything missionary team needs to go reach people for Jesus. I mean, they've got chairs, they've got PA systems, they've got a portable baptistry. You name it, they have it. And it's a very unique situation. We had Mike Napier here a few years back and um, I'm going to clue you in. They're, they're, they're going to ask you to participate in their ministry. You know what that means? They would like to ask you for some money. And I, I mean that guys, I was, we were moved. My wife and I, last time he was here and they did not outright ask for money, but people gave money. Okay? It was, it was just, it was very interesting because I, I wasn't sitting there in the middle of it like, I feel compelled and I go talk to my wife. I want to do this. Okay, let's do this. And then people were just bringing checks. And it was, I think we, I don't know, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars we raised. Something, something along those lines. And so guys, we invite you to come, if nothing else, you know, to see what's out there. Too many times we get stuck in our own little world and with our own little problems and don't realize, number one, we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. And number two, there are people who have never heard of Jesus in other parts of the world. And so guys, we invite you to that and uh, go from there. So anyway, back to my lesson, we are talking about judging. Last week... Um, I entitled the lesson, Don't Judge Me. And we looked at um, Matthew chapter 7 to start out with. And uh, we looked at three things. That Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, Don't judge because whatever standard you use to judge, you're going to be judged by. And he's not literally saying don't judge. He says you need to be very careful in your judgments. Okay? Because God's going to judge you the same way you judge other people. But we, we, we talked about three things. To, to open up that Jesus recognized. He recognized, first of all, that I will make judgments. You will make judgments. That's why he's giving instructions on it. Second thing is, I'm prone to judge incorrectly. Third thing is that I need encouragement and direction to judge correctly. And what we talked about last week is the first instruction Jesus gave is that I need to judge myself. I need to hold myself to the same standard that God expects everyone else to live by. That I can't be a hypocrite and look at somebody else's mistakes, their problems, and ignore my own. And just be more concerned with them. And so today what we're going to be talking about is how do we judge correctly? That's what Jesus said in John chapter 7, verse 24. He says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Okay, so what, how do I go about judging correctly? And I, I think it's in there in your notes. I, I just got to state this right up front. The judging correctly means that I agree with God. All right? And we're going to dig into this a little bit more. But look at these two Proverbs here in chapter 14 of Proverbs. First one's verse 8. It says, The wisdom is the prudent, of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. Then in verse 15 it says, The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. And guys, what he's saying is, if you're going to be prudent, if you're going to be wise, if you're going to be discerning, if you're going to make good judgments, you've got to consider your ways. You've got to consider your thoughts. You've got to consider your words. You've got to consider your, consider your actions. And, and specifically with this is, how do I judge? The question isn't, am I going to judge? The question is, how am I going to judge? 
Correct? And so how do we do that? How do I give thought to how I judge? Well, the first thing we want to talk about today is that I accept God's standards as my own. Alright? Guys, we live in a world where standards move. It's like a moving object. Last night, uh, I was sitting down doing some stuff. I was actually preparing for my vacation at the end of this month. And I sat down at the table and I noticed I was a little warm. I turned down the air conditioner and the air conditioner did not come on. Yes, that's a problem in my house. And so I went downstairs and I knew, I knew I'd been negligent in not replacing the furnace filter. It was caked with dirt. I took it out. I turned the furnace off. I turned the system off because I figured it was frozen uh, and it needed a new filter. So I looked, wrote, memorized the size of the filter and I checked on Home Depot and it's, you know, it was 20 inches by 25 inches by 4 inches. Now that seems pretty simple, doesn't it? You look up on their website, they say there it is. Do you know when it comes to furnace filters, there's different ways of measuring four inches? The four furnace filter that I had in my furnace, four inches meant three and three quarters inches. And the one that I bought, four inches means four and three eighths inches. You see, in smaller print, below it, it says actual size. Why do you call it 20 by 25 by 4? Why not say approximately? Why isn't the actual size in bigger print? And so guys, this is the world we live in. And I can go after example, after example, after example of how that is. Okay? And it it moves. And I feel like in a conversation, especially with a younger person, okay, Today, if we're having a conversation, I'm forced to say, what do you mean by that word? Because they've come up with new meanings. They've changed the meanings. They've adapted it. And that happens in language. If you go look at a word up in the dictionary, and it's from the old English, and they'll, they'll give several definitions because it's used in different ways at different times. You know, great example of that is the word cool. You know, I don't know when, 60s or 70s, it meant, hey, you're cool. Doesn't mean your body temperature was low. It means different things. And guys, words do that. But guys, we've got to have a standard. And look at this in Proverbs chapter 8. It says, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. I think a lot of you have probably seen uh, at least a portion of the video, What is a Woman? And I, I the, the one section that just gets me to no end is where he's speaking to a college professor. And all, he's saying, why are you asking? Because I just want the truth. I'm just ask, seeking the truth. And the guy goes, I don't like you using that word. I'm threatened. He was threatened by the use of the word truth. And goes on, it's just the most incredible thing. He's saying, and basically what he's saying is, I want to use words the way I want to use them. I want them to mean what I want them to mean. And don't try to make them mean something specific. And guys, that is the world we live in. And you want to talk about perverse speech. And that's not the only example. You can go through, 
you know, any politician's words, corruption, perverse speech. But let me ask you, what do you hate and why? What just really gets you? You see, guys, because our standard ought to be what God hates. God does not hate people. But he hates behaviors. Why does he hate them? How do you define evil? And why is that your definition? You see, guys, I was reading an article yesterday. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has put down a few rulings. And CNN had an article on this. And they were talking about... Uh, the top dog, Supreme Court, who's, what's he, what are they, it doesn't matter. Yeah, what, it doesn't matter. He's the guy in charge, okay? You know who I'm talking about. Chief Justice, thank you. And, it, and him talking about it, and they said, he is wrestling, he really wants to not, not allow the court, or for the court to not be defined in ideological terms. Because right now, it's a six to three majority for the conservatives. And he doesn't want it defined by that. And out of the last four major decisions, they've been split along ideological lines. Two of them have went the conservative way, and two of them have went the uh, liberal way. And they said the judge wants it to be because we're not here to try to dictate how things go. We are umpires. They call them as we see them according to the Constitution. You see, guys, that's what they're trying to do. And guys, our, our, we should have that same type of approach, but instead of the Constitution, it needs to be based off the Word of God. What does God say is evil? What does God say is corrupt? You see, guys, there, there's, a, there's a movement, uh, and I've, I've re- referenced it before, uh, within the faith community. It's called, it's called the deconstruction movement. And what's going on is we're, we're typically younger people. They look at the worldview they were given by their parents and by the churches they were in growing up. And they say, they start to be in question everything. And they deconstruct what they believe. And they, they sometimes grab a new worldview. Sometimes they just take something they're giving. It doesn't matter. But I was listening to a video on this this week. And John, John Mark Comer, he's a, uh, I believe he's a PhD by now. When I first started listening to him, he was still studying for that. Excellent Bible teacher. Um, he was speaking on this subject and he made a comment. He's talking about deconstruction. And he says, Jesus deconstructed. Okay? And he goes on to talk about this. He says, Jesus and others use scripture to critique the world's corruption of the church. Okay, see, so that's what Jesus did. If you go look at his conversations with the Pharisees, that's what he does. He goes, here's your traditions. Here's the word of God. Here's what you do. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what you tell people to do. Here's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus does. But he goes on. He says, Western millennials use the world to critique Scripture's authority over the church. And you see, guys, that's exactly what the progressive Christian movement is about. Where they've basically taken the word of God and they, they go, it doesn't apply anymore. And they, they take its authority away as the word of God and they say, it doesn't apply. And they adjust it to what the world tells us. I mean, one very, very simple way they do this is with, is through science. 
Okay? And what it is, they don't state it this plainly, but they believe science is the supreme authority. And what does science say? Science tells us we evolved from monkeys. Okay, so what does that mean about us 3,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago? That means we were primitive. Uneducated. And so they look at the Bible and they go, look, these people really believed this stuff. It wasn't wrong, but they were, this was just the best way their primitive minds had to understand what they saw. Now, we have science. And we know better. And we can push it all aside. And guys, this is, this is the question, where are we going to get our values from? You see, look at this verse in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 17. And this is a situation, Malachi is the last book written before Jesus came. There's about 400 years of silence where there was no, no prophets writing. We don't have their writings that are considered prophets. And, the, and the, the, the followers of God at that point were by and large influenced by the world. And this is what it says, is that you have taught wrong things. And it makes the Lord very sad. People were doing evil things, but you said this pleased the Lord and that He accepted those things. And you taught that God does not punish people for the evil they do. They're saying, no, 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 God, you got it wrong. Last night on my, on my trip to get the correct filter, I, uh, after I got the wrong one and came home, I noticed I had the wrong one. Uh, CT, who we refer to as our nephew, was here for the summer. And he was up. And I said, would you like to ride along with me to go get this? First he said no. And then he says, yeah, I will if you'll stop for me to get something to eat. I said, okay, great, I can do that. And so uh, we get out there, which is... I, I learn that when he says, will you stop to get me something to eat, means will you buy me something to eat? Okay, he's ordering it ahead. Uh, I'll spare you the whole story for time's sake. It's it's a good story. But he's ordering it ahead uh, so it doesn't take so long. And he goes, okay, where's the card? Oh, <laughs> a card? You thought I was going to pay for that? Yeah. Let me see, you want me to pay for your company? Some people might consider that. I'm sorry. But while we're waiting for the food to get ready, because Buffalo, not Buffalo Wild, Wingstop takes so long... He, we were sitting there and he said, so I pull up some YouTube videos. And I was trying to find a YouTube video of Eddie Murphy and Stevie Wonder. Most of you know Eddie Murphy from Saturday Night Live and is a comedian and all that. And one of the things he did when he was on Saturday Night Live is he would imitate Stevie Wonder. You know, sit there with the glasses on and turn his head. And he even, he'd even talk about how he, how folks were ridiculing him for, for be, for doing this imitation. Y'all, you can't, you can't do that, Stevie. He's blind. You can't do that. And I mean, he, Eddie Murphy got away with it. Well, one time they have Stevie Wonder on the show with him. And they're sitting down and they're talking and they're both turning their heads like this. And, and the funniest thing I've ever seen, he slaps Stevie. He goes, no, nah, Stevie, it's like this. <laughs> and I mean, just the fact that he's telling a blind person, you know, what to, how he's doing it wrong. But he's telling the guy who does it, he's doing it wrong. The guy he got it from 
And it was funny because it's so ridiculous. Guys, what this verse here is telling us is that we can do that same thing to God. We can say, oh, no, 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 God. That's not right. No, God, I know what your word says, but there's a new standard. You see, because we know better now. You see, one of the other things that kind of comes out of, out of, uh, uh, this, this primitive thought theory and, um, and science is that perhaps homosexuality is just the continuation of the evolutionary process. You see, because we know better. It doesn't look at what God has to say. It doesn't look at what God has to say on sexual purity. I mean, one of the things, you know, there's, there was a group out there that, that they wanted to put an end to the nuclear family. They don't believe that children need parents, moms and dads. They don't believe that. They believe that divorce has no impact on children. Guys, this, this is the reality of our world. Okay? And we can go on and on and on and talk about this. You see, guys, but what does God say? When I look at the topics of today, and I'm using these broad topics, okay, because how we look at some of these things influences how we're going to look at more minute things as we discuss things with each other. I'm reading a book right now. I'm reading it because I, I want to be informed of what people think, even though it's difficult to read. And the book is entitled, Christianity and Homosexuality Reconciled. You see, guys, it's, it's very simple. The Bible has told us what sexual purity looks like and has given us many examples of sexual immorality. And we have a decision to make on what is sexual purity and what is sexual immorality. And are we going to take what God has to say or are we going to have to take what society tells us? Last verse here in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 5, it says, Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. Guys, I want to emphasize this, and we're going to be talking about it more in the next point, but those who follow the Lord. You see, guys, if you claim the title of Christian, you are to be a follower of Jesus. That's the terminology he used. He did not use the word Christian. He never said, if you want to be a Christian. He said, if you would come after me. He called people to follow him. He said, if you want to follow me, he said, if you want to be a disciple, which is a follower, it's just a student. See, guys, our unity as a church depends upon each of us being true followers of Jesus that accept his standards as our own. Okay? And judging is going to be a part of it. If we're going to judge correctly, we've got to accept God's standards. Second thing is I need to accept my role as a helper. I spoke a little bit about this last week uh, when I talked about Matthew 7. But after Jesus said, don't judge, be careful how you judge, you're going to be judged the way that you judge, using the standard you do, he told a story about, he says, he says, why do you look at your brother 
with a plank in your eye and look at the speck in his eye and say, let me help you with that. You're a hypocrite. First take the, this is it, verse 5. This is what it says. He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See guys, last week I talked, I asked the question, are you more interested in being right or in being righteous? Okay? Because the guy with the log in his eye who's trying to help the brother with the speck in his eye is just interested in being right. He's just interested in pointing that speck, go, you got a speck and you need to do something about it. I know he's not interested in helping because he can't. Because he's got a plank in his own eye. And this is one of the big things that jumped out at me two years ago when I was looking, preparing for this topic, is that we are designed to be involved in each other's lives. We're designed as helpers for each other. You see guys, we're designed, we're, we're all called to be followers of Jesus. And guess what? Even though we're all sheep by nature, we have a hard time following, don't we? Anybody? Anybody want to share how you missed the mark this week? You didn't follow Jesus correctly? Okay, it's just the truth. And guys, that's the, that's the whole point. If we are committed to be followers of Jesus, which is what we were created for. That's what image bearers do. They bear the image of. We are to bear the image of Jesus. And that is what we're designed to do. Guys, when we miss that, we need somebody close to us in our lives to go, yeah, you're pointing in the wrong direction there. Yeah, you were trying to follow Jesus, but you missed the mark. You see, guys, I am far more interested in just being a referee throwing flags than I am in helping somebody. It's, it's, it's much easier. There's less chance of me offending somebody. There's less chance of me losing a friendship. Guys, that's why I think it's so significant, and I use this language so much, but that we are united as followers of Jesus. Okay, because it's so much easier for me to correct you if I know you're really wanting to follow Jesus. And I need to accept my role. Look at these two Proverbs here. Very familiar Proverbs. Chapter 17 and verse 17. Says so a front friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs chapter twenty-seven and verse six: Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from what? Why would a friend wound you? Why would he do that? Why is it saying that it, it, it can be, they can be trusted? Because a friend wants your best interest. And guys, that's what we need to, we need to understand that each one of us in this room is involved with everybody else in this room. Some, some of, obviously, we have people that we're closer to. But we have a role to help them. 
to make judgments and to correct as necessary. Not just throw a flag. And I guess it goes farther than that. We would like, sometimes we would like to not just throw flags, but we'd like to enforce a penalty. You know that? We want to enforce a penalty. When I talked about correcting someone and potentially them rejecting your friendship over your correction, sometimes we penalize each other. Because we haven't accepted the fact that we're in this together. Because I'm more interested in me than I am us. And so guys, we, we, we need to accept that. If we're going to judge correctly, we need to understand that God wants us to be good friends. Third thing, if I'm going to judge correctly, is I hesitate. I hesitate. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27. It says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Words with restraint. Can I tell you the modern-day proverb of get her done? is not in the book of Proverbs. Sometimes we just want to get it out. Sometimes we feel like we have the right to get it out. It's not a matter of being right. It's a matter of being righteous. It's a matter of... Not that you say words, but that you use right words and the best words. Proverbs 18 and verse 19 it says a brother wronged is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Has anybody ever been offended when somebody spoke without restraint? Has anybody ever offended when you spoke without restraint? I love it. One of the things I hear a lot now, I hear primarily from Alan, is he'll be talking and he'll say, I'm going to say this clumsily. And then he'll also say, I I said that poorly. I could have said that better. And guys, that's just the truth. We need to hesitate with our words. We need to be slow with our words. We need to be thoughtful with our words. One of the things that I, uh, I love about, about, we, about Jesus, okay, and we want to be like Jesus, right? And sometimes we, 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 when we talk about correcting people, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't get in somebody's face till they got in his face. You know that? I mean, we understand that Jesus knows people's hearts, knew people's hearts when he was here on earth. He knew their minds. He knew what they thought. But he didn't call Peter Satan till Peter rebuked him. 
And so guys, we, we, we need, we need to hesitate in our judgments. Even when we're right. In Proverbs 19 and verse 11, it says, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. You see guys, the most, the, the time I'm tempted to speak the quickest is when I've been offended. Counselors will tell you, psychologists will tell you that, that anger is a secondary emotion. Most of the time, anger's not real anger. It's, it's a secondary emotion after they've been hurt. At when they're frustrated. When they're disappointed. When they're scared. So guys, why do we hesitate? We hesitate, number one, to investigate. Okay, you, you want to take nothing else from this passage? This is the passage I've been waiting to talk about, and I'm not going to talk about it very long. It is so self-explanatory. Proverbs 18, verse 17, it says, In a lawsuit, the first person to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Now, don't look at that and go, well, I'll remember that if I've ever on a jury. See, because the truth of the matter, you're on a jury every day of your life when you hear something. And you're going to make a judgment about what's said, about either what you heard about it or what the person has said. How many times have you heard something about somebody and then you got the rest of the story from that somebody? How many times have you made a judgment only to find out you were wrong? You want to talk about starting a fight. I've lost count of how many times, guys, this has helped me from making a wrong judgment. And I speak to it all the time when I'm speaking with employees or I'm speaking with somebody here at the church and we're talking about a situation, you know, and I'll say, well, we don't have all the information. Well, we are assuming something. If this is true, if this is accurate, then yes. But what else might be the case? And guys, this is what we have to go through. We have to stop ourselves. So many times, this is what it's saying. The first to speak seems right. It seems right. Years ago, I had a, uh, uh, a breakfast with someone and this person came in prepared to talk to me about a topic. Now the problem was, they were chewing out my butt for something I agreed with them on. They'd made a judgment. And it failed to talk to me. And then once we talked, they had to felt the need to execute their judgment. Unfortunately, I didn't get offended. <laughs> but guys, that's the first thing. I, I, I hesitate to... to to investigate. The second is to consider my words. And I've already alluded to this. Proverbs 15 verse 26 says, The Lord detests evil plans, but He delights in pure words. My natural position is just to say words. Not pure words. 
That's the challenge, guys. If we're going to use pure words, we're going to have to not just speak what comes to our mind. We're not just going to call it like I see it. Third thing is we need to consider my brother. Guys, why are the, why 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 do they do what they do? What's going on underneath? You know, stealing is pretty much a given that it's wrong, is it not? But this is what it says. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. If somebody steals and they're starving, people are more understanding about it. Okay, they don't condemn the same way. There was a whole movie written about, doing, done about this several years ago, and it was about a, a guy who was in prison, ended up in prison for the rest of his life. I believe he was killed in prison, if I remember, remember the movie correctly. And as a, he, was, he was put in prison, this was back in the early 20th century, and he was put in prison for uh, stealing, and he happened to steal because he was hungry, okay, an orphan on the street, and he stole from a post office, which made it a federal crime. And he was put in prison. They locked the door and threw away the key. And the movie is about all this horrific stuff that happened to him ending in his death. Because he was hungry. And they didn't consider the circumstances. And the law doesn't usually consider the circumstances, but we should. The last thing, guys, to consider and I did talk about this last week, is to consider my motive. I hesitate to consider my motive. Why do I want to confront somebody? Why? If it's because I've been offended, we've already looked at the proverb that says, I can promote love by overlooking an offense. What is my motive? I can't tell you how many times I pray about something and I'm talking with somebody and I'm like, I'm just questioning. I, have you ever been afraid of God giving you something because you want it? You know, I, I mean, I, like, I want something. I want something to happen. And it's a good something. And I feel like I'm open to deception. I, if I feel like I, I can't see clearly because I want it. And you see, guys, this is what I'm talking about here. When it comes to making judgments about each other, we need to look at our motives. Proverbs 21 and verse 2, it says, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Proverbs 28 and verse 7, A discerning son heeds instruction, but a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. Now that may seem like, why is that in there? Why do you have that in there, Gary? Well, why do you think he says a companion of gluttons? He's comparing a companion of gluttons to a son that listens to the instruction from his father. Because a companion of gluttons is, is you're, you're hanging out with people that follow their own desires their own appetites. 
And you see, guys, that's what we need to check. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm going, this is what I want. I'm very cautious. Because I understand my motives. And when it comes to making a judgment of somebody, if somebody's offended you, are you more likely to be harsh in judging them? Could be. If somebody has hurt you, either on purpose or just because they're a broken human being that sins, might that impact how you judge them? I think so. I think so. So guys, as I close it out, I just want to ask you to wrestle with, as you look at your judging, because we make judgments all the time, Am I truly interested in representing God's values? You see, guys, that precedes this. Okay? I'll say it again. We were created to represent God. To bear His image. We were not created perfect. We were created to become. And so when it comes to making judgments, that's where it really is. You're representing God in your judgments. Is that your interest is in representing Him? And the last question is, am I wanting to help them follow Jesus or am I after something else? Guys, it's a big takeaway from today. Let's pray and we'll be done. Alrighty. Father, thank you so much for entrusting us to make judgments. Father, we read the words of Jesus and it's scary and it's very easy to go, I'm never making a judgment about nobody, no how, no way, because I want you to be gracious to me. Father, that's not the way you want it. You've given us the ability to judge and the responsibility to judge because you trust us to be able to make that judgment. You've given us the capability to use our mind to be led by your Spirit. And to help each other to follow you more closely, more accurately. And to represent you, your interests, and your values in this world. Father, I pray that last question everybody can answer yes to. That I am interested in representing your values as I go through this world. And it's in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Jesus, I am thirsty, I am learning how to hunger for more of you. You are the water and you offer life that is making me new.
Your love. 